the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. And now for something completely different. Hey, I was, I'm a Hall of Famer. I'm in three Halls of Fame. For the young fans, it, they don't give a damn. They just give a damn about themselves and what they're hearing now. And I got no problem with those rules. I know the rules going in. I'm happy to play the game that way. And when Ivan came off with that uh, knee drop from the top rope and he pinned me, I thought that something happened. I couldn't hear a thing. You could have heard the pin drop in that arena. It touched me so deeply that when I went in the dressing room, I really felt depressed. I'll tell you that, I'll tell you right to his face. If if Hogan and I, if he wanted to get in a real street fight with me, trust me, he would lose, and he knew it. You know, that's the other thing. They give you the belt, and they're like, okay, you're in charge of me. I was like, what? When you mention a guy like Harley Race, that kind of legendary status, it's obvious why people would get upset. Or as I'm concerned, Roddy Piper was not a wrestler. He wasn't even a good worker. If he had to go out and work his way to the top and not have good friends like Jim Barnett. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying he's not a good guy. He's just not a tough guy. Bro, I swear to you, I don't have an ego. Like, I don't give a crap. I, that stuff is not important to me. People don't know me. They have no idea of who I am. They know of me as being a fictional character that they saw on TV. People didn't understand that, you know, the guy they saw in the ring that happened to be using his real name and happened to actually be the president of the company, they really believed that that guy that they loved to hate was actually a pretty decent guy. And I think many people have the perception that I really was that character. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. Let's make Darren Young great again! I believe in Darren Young, and I want him to be great again! Hello and welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. I am JP John Paz. And of course, today we are joined by Mr. No Days Off, the former WWE World Tag Team Champion. You may know him from the <laughs> UWN, the Primetime Live, and New Japan Pro Wrestling Strong, Mr. Fred Roster. Welcome in, sir. How are you doing today? You know, thanks for having me. I always say don't die with a story and you tell it. Uh but I always correct the interviewer uh, when they say former. Like I don't, uh, uh, I don't like the word former. Former sounds washed up. You know, I like to call <laughs> myself WWE veteran because my journey not only started in 2009 when I got signed, but it started, uh, man, 2003 when I started doing extra work for WWE. So I've been around for quite some time. So uh, I'm happy to be on. Uh, your show and like i said i have my own podcast um when you're with wwe you kind of need permission to wipe your ass you know what i mean so when i get Mm -hmm. opportunities like this uh i always say let me share my story because there's seven billion plus people on this planet and uh i've got to continue to roll up my sleeves and do what i do so again thanks for having me yeah, no problem. And it's great to have on a fellow New Jersey boy. I know you were trained by the one and only Kevin Knight in the uh, IWF in New Jersey. Kevin Knight, yeah. I uh, I started September 11, 2002. Uh, 18 plus years in the business, still rocking and rolling. Um, but I made a lot of sacrifices, you know. Uh, joining IWF was something I wanted to do. And I used scholarship money from high school to pay. $2,000. I didn't want to do any installment payments or anything. This is what I wanted to do. And I paid up front and then the rest was history. 
Wow, two grand. Oof, that's uh, quite a chunk of change, but obviously ended up being worth it. Yeah, you know, I used scholarship money, and uh, my parents didn't even know that I had joined a wrestling school. I didn't let them know uh, until a year into my training. And then when my mom found out, she said, you have six months to make it. You know, it took me from 2002 to 2009 to make it to WWE. So she was happy. But, uh, yeah, it was something that I wanted to do since I came out her womb in 1983. So I had that laser-like focus, uh, that, that, that saying, oh, people wanted to be doctors, lawyers. Uh, I wanted to be a, a WWF wrestler at the time. Nice. Love that. Love that. And uh, we're around the same age from New Jersey. So that's uh, a definitely a good. How old are you? 38. Just turned 38 a few months ago. Yeah. So the, uh, you know, the early 80s being born in New Jersey was quite a time. I tell you that much. Absolutely loved it. Yeah, you know, I had a blast, you know, one of my first uh, wrestlers I ever met, ever, ever met, like actually got to shake his hand was uh, Louis Spicoli. And like from from back then till now, Louis Spicoli was the opening match type of guy. And uh, I was just so mesmerized by I was actually meeting a wrestler. So even still to this day, you know, um, you know, I, you know, I meet wrestlers and I just, you know, fanboy, like recently doing stuff with New Japan and stuff like that, fanboy over the tremendous talent there. But again, we'll get into that. But yeah, uh, Louis Piccoli was the first wrestler I ever met. So I always had a respect for wrestlers, but I'm trying to say whether you are a opening match type of guy or a main event guy, there's respect in uh, what we do and giving it is very important respect. Definitely, for sure. Now, what we're going to talk about today, just at the start, is UWN's Primetime Live, which is available on Fight TV. And, of course, it's available on In Demand and all your regular pay-per-views as well. How do you think everything is going with UWN? Because they are rocking and rolling, and you've been making quite an impact over there. I've been having a blast. You know, Dave Marquez Productions uh, heads everything. And Dave Marquez and I are very close because he was the first guy to give me my opportunity outside of Dirty Jersey and wrestle for a NWA tournament back in maybe 2007, I believe. So uh, I, I was able to travel to Phoenix, Arizona for the first time ever because of Dave Marquez. And to be in such an incredible tournament back in 2007, when he asked me to come aboard and uh, be a part of this production, I said, yeah, absolutely. I'll do anything for Dave. And I've just been having a blast. Uh, I, I got to work with Eric Redbeard again. And it's funny, like, we wrestled years and years ago uh, with WWE. And I always bring up the story where on live TV, you know, Titus O'Neil and I, we had these different colored trunks, uh, so many. And these, these baby blue tights, I hated them. You know, I hated wearing them. I hated wearing them. But it was our time to wear them. And Eric Redbeard, I remember us working for the first time. He's 6'8", 315 pounds. I'm 6'1", 240. He body slammed me so hard, I sharded my pants in the blade, <laughs> in the baby blue trunk. So wow. I and I couldn't, still couldn't get the stain out. It's still like uh, uh, baby blue trunks and brown. So I always bring them to appearances to show people my different, uh, my three top favorite pair of trunks the trunks that Tyson and I won the titles in, uh, the pink breast cancer awareness, and those baby blue trunks. So I was very happy to uh, work with Eric Redbeard and just, you know, do my thing. You know, recently, uh, last week, I worked Chris Dickinson for the first time, and, like, I had a blast with him. You know, we fought and fought and fought, and we wrestled a couple of years ago for Chikara, um, for the King of Trios in a tournament, but I never really um, worked on one-on-one. So it was a blast and uh, continue to look out for Mr. No Days Off on Primetime Live. That's for sure. So just going back to Redbeard, did he remember what happened with your trunks? And did he, does he still remember that? I didn't bring it up because I was just, uh, just, just doing other things. Uh, for production, but uh, yeah, it's something that I always share 
at signings whenever I have a table set up and uh, it's just a good conversation starter and just funny, you know, this yeah, man oh, yeah. would always say, this man would always say in promo class years ago that never be afraid to make a fool of yourself. So like I'm 37, I don't care. It's just a really cool story. It, it lets people know that you're real. Yeah, for sure. And you hear more and more of those stories. Flair has a story about it. CM Punk has a story about it. You know, there's a lot more stories about, you know, guys doing that in the ring than than you would even think. You don't, you know, as a fan, you don't even think of stuff like that. Yeah, and I told Eric Redbeard, I said to him, I said, please, you know, don't hurt me. You're a big guy, you know, just, you know, because sometimes uh, the bigger guys get real excited and they just like, oh, man, like, they're killing you, you know? So uh, I say, Hey, I'll do whatever you want. Just take care of me. He, he stuck me. Uh, he stuck me nicely uh, with a nice body slam that that's why I had that accident, but you know, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> yes. Yes. So he beats, well, you beat him in the tournament uh, via DQ, obviously the big world title, UWN title tournament. Then like you mentioned, Dickinson, you lost the next round, but it was a great match. You keep having great matches. The first time you were there, you won a three-way with uh, Masters and James Storm. So are you happy with kind of your progress? Because we're seeing like a, a new different side of you, I feel like um, in, in ring, maybe, maybe a little bit of a tweak in your game uh, nowadays. Um, you know, since, uh, being released from WWE way back in 2017, I've done some of my best work like on the independence because I've had more time to kind of just tell a story. You know, I've learned so much from WWE, but you know, it's very tough at times to tell a story in five or six minutes. You know, when you have 20, 25 minutes when you can really tell a story and get the people invested, whether it's for me, whether it's in front of a hundred people, 10,000 people, or no people, this is still so much fun for me. So the respect of my peers, like, for example, Sean Spears, him and I wrestled last year before the pandemic, and he came to the back after the match, and he was like, man, man, I needed that, you know? And that's the biggest compliment in the world from your peers saying, man, they needed that fight. They needed that, you know, that performance, you know? So... Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to continue to keep rocking and ro rolling. I still have a lot left in the tank. I still have a lot left to offer. And, uh, you know, I'm like wine. I age gracefully with time. And uh, whenever opportunities pop up, like New Japan or Dave Marquez, uh, you know, bucket list organizations or people that I owe it to, uh, I'm a loyal guy, so when I'm all in, I'm all in, and I tell promoters and people know that they don't get half of me, they get all of me. Now, the thing is with you, it's like, okay, the best is still yet to come, but I recently just saw highlights of you with New Japan Pro Wrestling on Strong, and you're wrestling Tom Lawler in, in what appeared to be you know, just an awesome match, and you were mentioning how great the match was possibly a dream match uh, scenario. So kind of take us through that Tom Lawler match. Cause I only was able to see the highlights that you posted, but it looked like an awesome match. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> I'm 37 years old, man. And I'm proud of it. But when you see him, he, uh, he, he's scary, you know, and I'm not afraid to admit that, that even before we even touch, I'm like, man, this guy could murder me. This guy could kill me. Uh, but after it was all said and done, I'm like, wow, man, I could, I could fight him every night. If we were on a tour 10 nights in a row, I could fight him every night because he brought intensity and timing. Timing is so important for me. You know, there's a saying, those that can't teach, you know, I, I'm not a Roman Reigns, but I have a good mind for the business you know i feel i know what works for me i know what kind of works for others or to kind of help tell that story and timing is very very important for me and uh lawler has great timing and great intensity and i felt like i was having my dream match with kurt angle because that's what it felt like because he has such a, a snap to his stuff again i've never been in the ring with kurt angle and it's very very sad for me but sharing the ring recently with uh tom lawler uh i need a rematch you know and hopefully we can do that rematch in 2021 
uh, in Japan. You know, I want to still wrestle in Japan. Um, it's still bucket list of mine to wrestle actually in Japan because anytime with WWE and I was on a tour, um, I was either on a different tour or not on tour at all whenever they did Japan. So it's always been on my bucket list. And I think about it day and night, like a madman, day and night, bro. So um, at me just speaking it into existence, and I don't know if you want me to get into how uh, the New Japan came about, but yeah, I oh, apologize yeah. with my podcast, I, I can go on tangents and just have fun, but uh, you're the boss. Yeah, please. Uh Tell us all about New Japan because that's such an interesting style. And I like that you obviously are adapting quite well to that style. Well, I've always loved the New Japan style. I was very intimidated, though. You know, when I joined IWF, I learned the 80s style. You know, uh, Kevin Knight, I learned how to wear tights and boots, to be professional with 8x10s, to have at the time being just tapes with promos, all that stuff. I learned from Kevin Knight how to be professional and also how to call in the ring, which is very tough to do, call in there and tell a story. But after a while, after being the golden boy, literally at IWF, I needed to venture off and kind of learn. I, I don't know what I was saying at the time. Oh, I, I need to learn a strong style or whatever that may be so i had to venture off to another wrestling school to work with guys that call call matches like a through z you know so 18 years in the business i know how to either call it in there or plan a through z or whatever um but uh getting that getting that extra training um uh, got me able to feel what it was like to do that style. So fast forward to doing WWE and then my release. Um, I've done ton of interviews saying that New Japan is on my bucket list to do. So I just kept spoke, speaking it into existence. And uh, Lance Hoyt was at, at the time with New Japan. And we ran into each other because we knew each other from FCW in 2010, and then we ran into we ran into each other uh, the end of 2019, uh, September 2019. We ran into each other in Pomona, California, and I told him. Uh, well, he asked me, "Hey, man, how you doing with everything?" I said, um, "I'm doing all right, you know, rocking and rolling, keeping it moving." But uh, I've always had dreams of doing New Japan, and he said, "Well, uh, New Japan's actually doing a show November 2019 uh, at the Globe Theater," and I said. I'll be there. Lance uh, gave me a flyer. And uh, normally with interviews, I show people the flyer because I, I still have the flyer. I can't find it. Uh, but he gave me the flyer. I showed up to the New Japan show and I watched the show from beginning to end to see as a fan and also as a talent if I fit there, if I fit in, if I fit in, if I fit in. And from beginning to end, I watched the show and I said, man, I definitely, man, I can hang with these guys, man. So then that's when I eventually approached Rocky Romero, who um, welcomed me in earlier during the show, and I met some of the wrestlers. And, you know, at the time, uh, 18 years in the business or so, uh, I still wanted to get there early and feel the ring because it's a harder ring than WWE. I wanted to feel the ring, just feel, just feel it, you know, feel it. It's just, again, we're, uh, we're, we're crazy, uh, <laughs> crazy wrestlers, you know, but I wanted yep. to feel the ring and be able to experience it and just be there and just sit there and just and say to myself constantly if I belong there. And then I talked to Rocky Romero and um, he said, well, uh, after, uh, you know, the new year, we'll have you come down to the dojo for a trial. And I'm not unfamiliar with doing tryouts because with WWE, May 4th, 2009, out of 75 guys and girls from all over the world, I beat them all out. So I told Rocky Romero for New Japan, if I had to try out, I'll do whatever it takes. And once 2020 hit, eventually the pandemic hit. And then he reached out to me in, uh, in June or July about if I would be down to uh, do these shows coming up. And uh I said, Rocky, let me get back to you because I wanted to check with my family. Because that family, you know, COVID's running rampant and, you know, close proximity with uh, the talent. I don't want to bring any of that stuff to my family. So uh, my uncle, who's a urologist uh, that deals with prostate cancer here in uh, Los Angeles, 
I told him about it, him and I very close. And he said, hey, man, it sounds like a great idea. Go for it. And that's when uh, Rocky had called, uh, texted me the next day. Hey, man, have you checked in with your family to see if you would be down to do this? Um, and he understood because he has a family, too. And I said, Rocky, just just uh, just give me the night and I'm going to just definitely check with my family. And uh, once they checked uh, and gave me the thumbs up, I... Uh, called back Rocky and said, Rocky, yeah, let's do it. And uh, I've just been rocking and rolling and I'm just truly blessed to have an opportunity. And like, I literally spoke it into existence and it happened. So, you know, the brain is a powerful, powerful thing. So I've been staying in shape. Uh, like I said, health is wealth and uh, I feel good and I look good. And like I said, um, it's just a start. No problem, like doing the tryout. I know you said you're obviously very versed to tryouts, but you're still a ten-year WWE veteran. You've been wrestling for seventeen years, really. I mean, was there any problem doing the tryout for New Japan? Was that any issue for you? Well, the thing is, the tryout didn't happen because I did this. Uh, I went to the show in November of 2019, and then he said he would contact me earlier in the year 2020, and then stuff started getting crazy with the pandemic, so that never happened. So uh, months and months go by, and then Rocky contacted me over the summer and said, would you be down to do these shows? So no trial. So I can do one or two things. I can shift to bed with New Japan, or I can have some uh, stellar, stellar matches, man. Because at this point in my career, all I want to do is help elevate talent. And, um, you know, I'm going to make sure that you're going to, but you're going to earn it too in the ring. But at the end of the day, I want to be able to elevate talent. You know, I banged up my elbow January 2017. I had the Tommy John surgery. So going into the match with uh, Eric, Eric Redbeard, he knew I got injured, you know, with WWE. So at Primetime Live, he went right for the arm because he got disqualified. So he injured me going in the, into Chris Dickinson. And Chris Dickinson had him and I had a stellar match. And then ultimately from this injury, uh, I had to tap out because I didn't want him to break my arm. So that's storytelling one-on-one, you know, uh, go, you know, go back to past injuries, you know, and really, and really, uh, really tell that story on social media as well, because social media for me is like a second job, you know, but also social media is my open diary to the world. So anything I ever post always comes from the heart with the intent to inspire, motivate, and educate the masses. So you'll hear people say, oh, I need a break from social media. Well, you can have a break, not missing no days off. Yes, that's right. Now, as far as, you know, New Japan and UWN, obviously right now they're filming in California. You're in California. What is going to be like the future? Are you going to pop up on both shows a lot more often? Are, are you taking some time off? I know you missed your no days <laughs> off, but but what's like, what's next? Um, well, one, I went to damn gyms uh, to open up. I'm just dying. <laughs> like, yeah, I can build a home gym here, but maybe I need a crowd. I like people looking at me. You know, I like working out by myself, but like, come on, like, oh, please. You know, that's, that's, uh, that's where I'm at my happy place. You know, doing these Rocky style workouts in the backyard or, you know, and plus you're by yourself, too. So that's the true test when you're working out me, myself and I, me versus me. It's been tough since March. Um, but like I said, I got to keep rocking and rolling because when opportunities come up like this, I don't want to blow out any knees. I don't want to look fat anymore. I, I want to look healthy. You know, my workouts in the gym, I mean, my workouts in the backyard have been a lot of agility ladder, a lot of jump roping to keep those feet quick because slow feet don't eat. So, uh, like I said, a lot of mobility work, keeping everything nice and loose, but definitely, uh, I want to do some more work with primetime live and new Japan pro wrestling, uh, 2021. I'm looking to go to Japan. So, uh, I'm just crossing my fingers and then praying every day, literally. I know you said Kurt Angle is, is a big dream match of yours. And I know off air when we were talking earlier, you were saying Shane Douglas is another kind of dream match, right? Is is Shane uh, somebody you look up to? 
Well, Shane is like a guy like I would um I was a kid, teenager, and he would just do promos and I would just listen and like I, I kinda knew what he was talking about, but he was such he um he would speak so eloquently and like he would tell a story. I remember one promo uh from ECW I remembered he was like and he had that raspy voice and that's something I kinda took from him because um like you know, not being comfortable with myself, uh, I would always try to deepen my voice and sound more masculine. I didn't want to think people would think of me differently. So I would always deepen my voice and sound like this when I did pro promos. I'm Bone Crusher Fred Santa. I'm going to break you in half. So I, I don't have to do that anymore. I can just be myself. I'm comfortable with myself. So um, I love Shane's voice. I loved how he spoke. And also in WCW, when he was uh, you know, teaming with Ricky Steamboat, another um, another favorite of mine. Uh, I have I had this action figure sitting behind me. Um, nice. the, the the selling, you know, the selling is important, and and the selling is key uh, for me. And Ricky Steamboat, Shane Douglas, they always brought it. So uh, the last time I saw Shane Douglas was last year um, at a wrestling show. I forget which show, but. Um, uh, it had been a couple of years since I had seen him. And anytime I see him, I'm again, I'm like a kid. I'm like staring at him, like eyeing him up and like just watching him, you know, because I love how the wrestlers move, you know, the wrestlers talk, the wrestlers move. I'm still a fan. Yeah, he's great. You got to love uh, the franchise. Absolutely love him. Now, if I can go back, you said WWF and kind of break it in, obviously FCW in 2009. Who was the one that actually signed you? Is it Johnny Ace? Like, who's the one that actually kind of recruits you and brings you into the fold? Well, Dr. Tom Pritchard will always be near and dear to my heart. Uh, he discovered me in, uh, IWF in 2002 and from 2002 to 2009, he just kept saying, keep doing what you're doing, keep doing what you're doing. And at the time when he was running, uh, the, the, uh, the system, he would tell me back in like 2004, 2005, anytime WWE is in the Northeast area, Nassau Coliseum, Boston, wherever, if I'm not actually booked as an extra, just show up anyway, because I've been there enough that they kind of know my face. So I can just like walk in. Oh, I'm, oh, there's an extra, there's the extra Fred. There's the extra Fred. So like there would be times where I would just show up. And if I worked or if I did something, they would pay me. If I didn't do anything, I just observed and learned and didn't ask for any pay. And I think after a while it caught on to certain extras. Like, Hey, he's not on the list. How's he like getting the hookup? So I'll always, uh, hold Dr. Tom Pritchard up high. But yes, it was John Laurinaitis that signed me. What was that experience like as far as like getting signed? And, and is it a ton of pressure? Like, all right, now, you know, now I really got to kick in high gear or something you were absolutely ready for? Uh, I remember uh, John Laurinaitis saying, uh, because I had, I had been an extra over 40 times with WWE over that oh, course. Oh, wow. 2002 to 2009 i had been extra over 40 times over that uh time and uh i remember going to laurinitis saying uh johnny what do i have to do to be a part of the wwe family and he said hey you know you just got to show me something different you got to show me that you have personality uh thing about me is i tend to do uh people's uh like accents and stuff like that uh, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's how he talked to me. You know, Fred, you got to just show me something different. Show me you have per personality. And at the time, I was always shy. Still to this day, I embrace the shyness now. But even then, I was shy, timid. Um, again, not out, not comfortable with myself at the end of the day. So uh, I was a good wrestler. But when it came to like speaking or any of that stuff, I didn't want to do any of that. And um, uh, eventually at the tryout, it was like my last resort in 2009. Uh, and if I hadn't gotten signed May 4, 2009, I would have probably been a firefighter because I was at that point where I was like, oh, man, this is my first tryout. Like, this is big. I have to get signed. I have to. And uh, that day, out of like 75 guys and girls from all, all over the world, the same day I got signed was the same day AJ Lee got signed. So, um, yeah, you know, I, 
I've had great experiences with WWE, you know, uh, and I always say great things about this man because he gave me my last opportunity with Bob Backlund when I came up with that idea uh, to team us up. Uh, Vince McMahon loved the idea. I showed him visuals and I had it written out and he called up Bob Backlund personally and we started rocking and rolling. And it's just unfortunate that the people that work under Vince McMahon didn't have my back. Uh, so like I said, I use WWE's platform to kind of just keep rocking and rolling with what I'm doing, you know, because, you know, I, I worked hard and I put a lot of miles on this body. So, yeah, I still use WWE's platform to elevate the masses. Make Darren Young great again. That was a, a great gimmick with definite potential for sure. I, I love that. And Bob Backlund, anything Backlund, I mean, you got to love it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I had done autograph signings with Bob uh, years before the idea, and tag teams don't last forever. And I said, after I'm done teaming with Titus, I'd like to maybe have like an idea like a like a manager or like a life coach. And then I thought of Bob because I had done several signings with him. And then again, I had it written out, visual, showed it to Vince, and we talked for 20 minutes. And I always say the most intimidating, the, the most intimidating thing about this with man is his office door. And once you kind of get through the door and you have a game plan, you just got to just come with it. And he was really digging the idea. He always, uh, uh, we talked like 20 minutes and he asked me, uh, Darren, how do you get such a big barrel chest, you know? And I said, oh, yoga, you know, just, and he was like, really, yoga? And I explained to him that yoga kind of fixed your posture and makes your shoulder blades squeeze together, makes your chest appear bigger. So he was just very intrigued by me saying that yoga uh, would make my chest bigger. So um, I always share stories like that. Um, I have so many Vincent Man analogies that he would say in promo class, but nothing but great experiences with them. If they were to invite me back, I'm, I'm not signed technically with New Japan. That's, that's definitely the goal. But any major league organization were to sign me, uh, I would definitely jump on board. So if WWE wanted you back, you're, uh, you'd be interested in heading back to WWE? Yeah, if they wanted me back full-time, because again, I'm not you know, full-time with any organization. So any organization that wants to you know, pick me up, I'm definitely, I'm definitely down to do it. Like I said, I still have a lot left in the tank. Uh, but again, 2021, my goal is set on new Japan in Japan. So as far as Vince, I know you said the most intimidating thing maybe was the door and getting him in. How approachable is he once you have, let's say a good idea, like did Bob Ackland make Darren Young great again? How like approachable is he and like talkative is he, or is it one of those things? you got three minutes, pal, get in and get out? Well, the one thing I learned from Titus O'Neil, because when Titus, I got signed and then Titus came in soon after, right off the football field. And uh, he had gotten to a, a, a altercation with another uh, FCW wrestler. And at the time I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to stay away from Titus. You know, I'm going to stay away from him. He's too much trouble. And then fast forward to like him really working and him really busting his ass in developmental. And I would be the first one there and the last one to leave to help him out. And then we did the NXT and then we were both on the roster uh, at the same time. And him and I would always be laughing and we would always be together. And um, I always say anything that happens backstage can normally come uh, to light at times, whether it's promo or whatever. And Vincent Man would always see Titus and I together. And that's how ultimately we became the primetime players because again, Vince McMahon seeing us together and there would be times when we wouldn't be on TV or, you know, whatever. And Titus would, he'd be a hey, man, let's go to office. And he would knock on the door and walk in and be ho, 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 big man. We got to have a game plan first. You know, again, me being nervous, me like being hesitant, but closed mouths don't get fed. You know, Titus was, oh, Titus is a great guy. But he would go in there and, like, uh, he would be like, hey, boss, what you got for us, you know? Uh, and if we didn't have anything um, on television, we would do stuff on the app when that really uh, uh, came up. You know, we were always doing stuff on the app. And um, that really took off because of the primetime players. 
So whatever we were doing, um, Titus, uh, Titus, I always said, Titus got it. Titus got it. So that's, that's what I learned. I said, you know, I learned from Titus, you gotta like bust down doors sometime when the time is right. And that's what I learned from him. And that's what I did with Vince. And Vince is, you know, they always say, oh, he's, uh, he's, he's mean, or he, he's, he's got too many people around him, or he doesn't have enough time for you. Is that ever yeah, the case? Too many people, definitely too many people. It, it's hard to get to him. He's kind of blocked off. Well, n- not that I, I can get to him right away. I, I do not care. Like I said, you know, he said in promo class, nervous people don't draw money. Now you could be nervous. Like, man, you want to do well, but he said it. Nervous people don't draw money. That's why I remember everything that he says, like whether it was in promo class or even what he would say to me personally. For example, when Titus and I were teaming, we were baby faces. When we get the win, we got to smile. Uh, I guess he would see me and I would be like, yeah, we did it. Yeah. And then I would come to the back and Vince would say, uh, Darren, you got to smile more. Let the people in, you know, you're such a handsome young man, smile more. So I learned, I, you know, I, I learned, you know, you get a win, smile, you know, you're, you're doing an interview, smile, let the people in because it's all here. It's all here with him. So with him and like, let's say, you know, people are at the door, you know, Michael Hayes or whoever is kind of, do people kind of like agents and stuff and producers almost not want people to get in Vince's ear and they don't want the wrestlers. Is there there some kind of blockade? Cause they're always the the stories from, you know, a million wrestlers like, Oh, you know, there's a line out the door and only you get a certain amount of time with Vince and this and that. I I don't, I I would always tell Titus and Titus will co-sign to what I'm saying. Titus would say, oh, such and such has happened. I said, big man, worry about yourself. So I don't know, maybe people are waiting outside the door for him, but you got to catch him at certain times when he's like, you got to know when he's pat, like when he's going to Gorilla, you got to know when he's going to his limo. You just got to, you just got to pick your moments, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to know when he's going to be at the gym. <laughs> you just... I mean, you just got to know, man. I, I don't know what other people's stories are, but all I can talk about is my experiences with him. So when you get called up, and obviously, you know, you're doing the, the NXT thing at, at first, and, and ha- like, what do you kind of think about how that is going? Was that one of those things where you're like, I don't know about this, you know, this format or the way that they're going to produce this NXT thing? I hated it. I hated it. <laughs> I hated it. When those yellow ropes would be put on, I would have nightmares, man, because I always say if I wanted to do American Ninja Warrior or if I wanted to do American Gladiator, I would have signed up for that. It was like an obstacle course. And like when you're at, I can't juggle when I'm asked to juggle a fan watching it is going to be like, look at this guy, man, he's a joke turn the channel so that that messed me up mentally you know because that confidence was like so 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 low when, when you get put in situations that you're not you know confident in now what nxt is today it's incredible i wish i would have debuted in nxt where um you know how it is now because it's off the hook but i'm again still blessed and grateful for the opportunities to be on the first season of of NXT, I call myself an NXT OG, you know. So I'm 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 happy to uh, pass the torch, you know. Yeah, it seemed like that was one of those things where it's like I don't know if they were thinking correctly when they put that together because that's not one of those things where you're like, okay, this is wrestling, this is going to get these guys over, and I'm almost just going to do the opposite and, and take everybody, like you said, take them away from wanting to like these guys. Yeah, yeah, it was tough, man. It was tough. I I hated it. You're not the first person that's uh, asked me about my experience. It's the same same response. I hated it, you know? Uh, I always say that uh, I were best speaking from the heart. Um, and, yeah, that experience was not fun doing the obstacles at all. Was CM Punk a real mentor at all, or is that just all all just for the show? He's your quote unquote mentor. Did he help you along at all, or no? <laughs> I'm gonna guess not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, during that time, 
it's so funny, man. During that time, we probably said two words to one another. Uh, I don't know if he was happy at the time. I, I don't think he was happy that he was probably traveling more because with the NXT at the time, you had to travel an extra day more. I had Zack Ryder on my uh, podcast, Prone Bro Wrestling, and uh, uh, Zach, uh, Matt Cardona talked about that uh, when he was with Mojo, Mojo, uh, he was on, uh, he was working, uh, you know, uh, Zach was working four nights a week. Then he had to go up to five or six nights a week because he was doing NXT. So he was like, he was not happy with that. And, and probably CM Punk wasn't happy either. Uh, so we didn't say two words to one another, but fast forward to when I came out publicly, um, uh, in 2013, after his, uh, match with Brock Lesnar. He was iced up in catering at the Staples Center here in LA. And he came up to me in front of everyone because in catering, everyone was watching the show, the monitors and stuff like that uh, of the pay-per-view SummerSlam. And he came up to me and he told me to stand up. So I stood up and he was like, give me a hug. I gave him a hug and uh, he said, hey, uh, if you have any problems with anyone in the locker room, you let me know. That was a brave move that you did coming out publicly and you know, as long as you're cool with yourself, that's all that matters. And that meant the world to me. So, you know, for him to do that, I always share that story because that's that's a story no one really hears about. And again, I'm going to speak from the heart. And yeah, yeah, uh, that definitely surprised me. But along with him, it was guys like Randy Orton, Big Show, Mark, Mark Henry. I remember when I uh, probably on four or five, I, I always get the number confused, four or five different occasions. At the time, Big Show and I were living in Miami, so anytime we would have to travel out, we we would be on the same flights. And when I came out, like he, I don't know how he did it, but he would always somehow get me upgraded to like first class. Like he would do something. I don't know how he did it, but he always took care of me. And like that'll, those are stories that I'll always remember and always cherish of guys that didn't really talk to me but once i came out publicly uh you know i still get giddy when randy or in like retweets or favorite some of my stuff on social media so i can only imagine how people feel when i do the same for them so uh yeah it was guys like that that made it a lot easier for me to just walk into a locker room you know i go in there i i i do my job i do it well and then um yeah, you know, I'm a private person. I keep all my stuff, you know, private. You know, I'm there to wrestle. I'm there to entertain. Yeah, and you basically, you were kind of the first ever really to publicly come out, uh, you know, as gay on, on TV and be a wrestler. So that's awesome that not only Punk, but Orton, who's a huge star, and Big Show, who's a huge star, and Mark Henry. I mean, they all supported you backstage. I mean, that's got to be very uplifting for you. Yeah, you know, you have some favorites and not so favorites, but those are the guys that matter. For people to come up to me and say what they feel, uh, you know, it meant the world to me. It meant the world to me. And uh, I always say my fight is much more bigger than in the ring. It's outside the ring, fighting bigotry and hatred and trying to just be the voice of the voices when it comes to not only the LGBTQ community, but anyone that gets bullied into silence. So um it's very near and dear to my heart and for new japan to embrace my movement and to embrace me uh, uh i'm becoming a trailblazer with new japan so it's just like uh, you know i just get goosebumps just thinking about 2021 can't come quick enough but who knows you know like but all i can keep doing is speaking speaking it into existence uh so many great talent from New Japan, uh, Tanahashi, uh, Kenta, they're all rooting for me, man. This is stuff that people don't hear about. This is stuff that goes down in the DM uh, of me, like telling these guys, man, like you guys are awesome because they are also awesome. But for them to say, you are awesome too, man, it's just like, uh, it's, it's, uh, it makes me emotional. Yeah, that's, that's very, very cool. New Japan is definitely on your side. Hopefully, 2021, you'll be in Japan wrestling. But over your shoulder, I see a great 
N armband for uh, the Nexus. And you being, you know, one of the original members of Nexus, yeah. that debut on Raw was was awesome. It was just shocking and crazy because it goes from like, okay, these guys from TV who were like kind of made to look bad are now pissed off. They're going to debut on TV and they're going to destroy everything. What did you kind of think of the Nexus and forming that team? Yeah, yeah, that was the um, that was the original uh, armband that we wore. Uh, again, nice. like. We didn't know what the hell was going to happen. It was Miami, Florida, and uh, I remember being in a office and, you know, Vince saying that we needed to deliver, you know, and if anything looked terrible, some, someone was going to get fired. So we knew that we definitely needed to deliver, and uh, we caused havoc, and it was uh, the most fun that I ever had, you know. Uh, Heath, Heath is like, my goal is to get all the members of the Nexus on my podcast. The first one was my all time favorite Heath, Heath and I are like this, you know, he's like the only wrestler. He's like one of the only wrestlers that like, when he sees you, he's like, Freddie, I love you, man. Uh, he's just like, <laughs> I love his family. And he just like, for another grown man to like say that he really means it, man. So I had Heath on the podcast, and I always say when I brought him on, I said, uh, you know, here on Pro Bro Wrestling, you know, our next guest, we've set off fire alarms and we've hit under bleachers. Uh, I've had so much fun with Heath. Uh, and then the next person we had on was Tarver. Tarver and I always clicked, uh, always got along. And then uh, the third was um, Justin Gabriel. Um, so my goal is to have all the members on Ryback, Wade, uh, but yeah, I had so much fun with those guys. So much fun that we still stay in contact to this day, uh, on a text thread. Nice. I love it. Nexus is still connecting and there's still yeah. have cohesiveness. Yeah. We're still, we're still connected. And if you could only see like, like sometimes we'll te text each other, I don't know, whatever. But then I'll wind up sending them a meme or a video of just something very graphic and disturbing. Like, and then they're <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like, where did that come from? Or they send me emojis like, oh, yuck. Like, very, very, like, disturbing stuff. And they don't expect that. At, they don't expect that out of me. And it doesn't. And it doesn't, like, match with what we're talking about. So I just like playing with those guys. Nice. I love it. And now the thing that with the Nexus that was so great to me was I went to a house show at MSG that summer before SummerSlam. Man, when you guys came out of the crowd and were like kind of going to, you know, jump the rail and jump the ring, the crowd was electric for the Nexus. You guys were over like Rover. It was crazy. <laughs> Do you remember that MSG? Well, there were a few times like uh, when you said jump over the uh, barricade, there were a few times. <laughs> We're at live events where we're running, <laughs> we're running, and we hop over, and <laughs> my my dumbass would like fall or something like that, not land on my feet. It was just yeah, like yeah. sloppy. So I would run to the barricade and sometimes just like hold on to it tight and then like get over because I would try to run and try to <laughs> try to hop over like I'm hopping over a fence and then. For some reason, I would just catch my boot and, like, it wouldn't look good, you know? And then I would, like, pop up like nothing happened. Uh, but that was just on, like, live events. So that just made, made me laugh when you said that. The thing is, okay, so, like, the Nexus is getting over. I mean, they're getting great reactions, everything else. But then SummerSlam happens, and John Cena ends up getting the, the victory and defeating <laughs> Nexus. Kind of kills the momentum, and I know Jericho has said it, and Edge has said it in interviews. It's like they're a part of the match. It's like, hey, uh, we need to lose here. And Vince and Cena are like, no, 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 you know, like, or I guess whatever Cena uh, political pull he had. <laughs> it was like, no, 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 we need to go over. Do you think that that was horrible booking when you when you look back? Like, yeah, probably a mistake. Nexus should win that. <laughs> I mean, what? Yep. I mean, Jericho said it. Edge said yep. it. Yep. I mean, like, it's just, all I can do is just agree, yep. But it is what it is. 
it's funny. Like they, they still do it to this day, like retribution. I know they're not a great gimmick. It's not a great angle, but they lose so much. It's like, okay, how could they get any momentum going if you're going to lose? So the Nexus losing kills all the momentum of them being like this dominant force, destroying the ring and destroying Cena and destroying everything around them. It kind of kills them. Well, I, you know, at the moment, Cena wasn't done yet. You know, I mean, Cena, Cena, Superman. You know, Cena is the poster boy of WWE. So we we caused havoc for a little bit, but then he had to uh, he um, he had to conquer. So I mean, he he was at his prime, but definitely um, definitely Nexus should have ran through Team WWE. Absolutely. Yeah. The- a bad booking. What do you think about being the black John Cena, as they always say? And you know, he made the joke about it too. Yeah, I, I always say I wish I made uh, John Cena money. I, I, I wish I had <laughs> made black black John Cena money. You know, I I, I was saying earlier. I, I swear, uh, I moved to LA. Uh, I see uh, I see billboards of uh, John Cena doing like his movies and stuff like that. I go into GNC. I see John Cena like uh, endorsing them. I'm like, I'm like Owen Hart. What about me? What about yeah. me? Yeah. I'm like, what the hell, man? But he's everywhere. He's got that Midas touch, and um, yeah, yeah, I see him everywhere. But like I said, I wish I made John Cena type of money. But I always say since day one, if I did this for the money, I would have complained a long time ago. I, you know, I do it for the love and the passion and. Uh, like I said, whether it's in front of 10 people, 10,000, one person, zero people, I still love it. You have any sort of relationship or did you have any sort of relationship with Cena, like any good chemistry or what did you kind of think of, of a relationship with him? Uh, I think he's just a hard worker. Uh, no, no, no relationship with him. Uh, I think he's very amazing. I remember seeing him do a press conference uh, in China and and in Chinese, the entire press conference in Chinese. It's incredible. Uh, So he's he um, he's so talented and uh, he's he's so good at what he does that, you know, I admire him. So as far as you and Titus, I know we were talking a little bit about him before and, and the chemistry and you guys just kind of rocking and rolling off, you know, off screen, on screen. You guys just have this funny chemistry and, and obviously, you know, that funny dance and stuff like that. Is that just you guys coming up with stuff and riffing and kind of creating your own thing or you have to collaborate with the creative team? Yeah, I think with the dance, it, it came out of a win. We got the win, and we literally, like, jumped in each other's arms, and we started celebrating. Yeah, we did. And then we just started going back and forth, and then that's just how it uh, started, you know, the millions of dollars dance. And uh, the people were loving it. And, it. and and I always talk to Titus, you know. People say, oh, do you still talk to him? Like, why wouldn't I, you know? Uh, uh, he's like my brother, you know. Uh, we drove lots of miles together. Me, Mark Henry, and Titus O'Neill. I did all the driving. Uh, and Titus Titus would book the hotels and rental cars and get discounts, get hotel rooms for free, get hotel rooms. He had the hookup. You know, Titus, Titus Worldwide was Titus Worldwide. Um, but, yeah, uh, we, we had so much fun in the ring. Take us back to winning the Tech Team Championships. To a fan, obviously, it's, it's a huge deal. But what was it like to you guys to win the titles? Yeah, we didn't know what was going to happen with us and New Day. Uh, we didn't find out till the last minute. I'm like, oh, my goodness. So, uh, you know, people, fans always say, oh, man, we wish that you would have won the titles more. And I say, well, again, another situation, whether we won it five times 10 times or one time we still won it and we are still in the history books at least my history book of being a tag team champion so uh it was a milestone that i'll never forget and i'm very i'm very happy to have held tag team gold you know i'm still waiting for wwe to send me uh the replica belt they still haven't sent it to me and uh i always I always bust Titus O'Neil's balls because he has the replica uh, tag team title. They still never gave it to me. <laughs> wow. Why not? What the hell's going on? Why can't you get the belt? What the hell's going uh, on? Uh, life happens. I don't know. I don't know. Once I got, 
because we held the titles, I don't know what year, 2015 or whatever. Then, it, then uh, life happens, life happens. You get released in 2017, and then like you you ask, hey, am I ever gonna get the belt? You know, and uh, well, we don't call them belts in in WWE because Vince McMahon would always say belt is what you use to hold up your pants. We call them titles. We call them championships. And I got on. Uh, and I, um, I, I, I dig that Cody Rose because he was um, calling it a uh, calling it a belt. And I said, Cody, on Twitter, I said, Cody, remember, it's a title. A belt is what you use to hold up your pants. So, um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm still waiting for the championship. So, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's still in the mail. Yeah, they lost in the mail, maybe. So, what do you think about? having a longer run did you want a longer run did you not even think about it you just enjoyed it you know it is what it is well i would say michael jordan can't play basketball forever and not saying that i'm michael jordan but like you know i had just came back from my tommy john uh surgery uh august 2017 uh and then a couple months later uh October 2017 is when i got released so i kind of knew it was going to happen i knew it was like I, I just felt it was bound to happen. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm just good about energy. And that's when uh, I moved out to LA full time to pursue other uh, things, acting, commercials, whatever uh, life throws at me and whatever I hustle to get. And uh, yeah, I, I moved out here and then my release happened. So yeah, I was a little upset, but um, again, life goes on, man. And I'm not on, any ban list because uh, recently with them around the pandemic, I think in April, I did their show, The Bump. Uh, so it was an honor to talk about 10 years of Nexus uh, because it's been 10 years, man, you know, um, since we did the Nexus and uh, they had us on The Bump and it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to talk to Kayla Braxton and uh, just, just not being on the ban list with WWE. And again, I'm still a fan. You're a fan. I love all wrestling. So uh, I try to catch as much as I can when I can. Um, but yeah. Nice. Now, as far as your podcast, you were mentioning that. Where can like everybody hear? What is like, what are you doing? Is it strictly interviews? What are you doing with the podcast? Because it seems like something that I think uh, your fans will definitely get a kick out of. Yeah, for me, uh, Two, two of my close friends had suggested years ago, hey, you should try a podcast. You should do a podcast. And um, once, like, my friends convinced me, I said, yeah, why not? Because going in, I'm not about the numbers. Like, I'm not, oh, I need views and this and that. I do it for fun. I do it for therapy. And uh, we're on uh, episode 64, I believe. Uh, so it's therapy for me to actually do it with my real life neighbor who lives right next door to me. Uh, and we call it pro and bro wrestling and he's a great fan. Uh, he's a respectful fan. So, um, I, I do it with him and he's like my therapist. He knows me inside and out and it, it's a lot of fun. It's funny. It's like all the guests we always have on, it's like they do big things. Um, uh, for example, Big Swole is with AEW. Uh, Anthony Bowens uh, is with AEW. And these are people that never did anything with WWE, but have tons of potential. Uh, Jake Atlas, NXT, uh, Deanna Perazzo. I'm just thinking off the top of my head of people that we've had on. Uh, and then she's with Impact. So it's just funny, like people that kind of like, I feel come through my little podcast I have fun with. They go on to do great things, you know, and they don't actually mention it on, on the podcast. It's like we have them on the podcast and then a week later they're doing big things. I'm like, oh my God, you know? Uh, so yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun for me. And it's um, practice at talking too, because again, I'm a shy guy. I'm quiet. So doing the podcast, it gets you comfortable with hearing your voice. It gets you comfortable with talking. It gets, it gets you comfortable with being a better storyteller. And that's what it's all about. I want to be able to be a better storyteller. Don't die with the story and you tell it, I would say on my podcast, because someone might listen to it and might pick something up, you know? 
a lot of it is educational. Sometimes we have up and comers on. Sometimes we have like, you know, someone like Chavo Guerrero, who was my uh, NXT coach on Redemption, you know? So for us to be able to share our experiences and stuff like that and what we're up to now is a lot of fun. And for me, I always say I feel accomplished like when, when I do a podcast because if I don't do anything or have any wrestling or any meetings during the week, if I'm able to do my podcast once a week, I feel like I've accomplished something. And it's available on, uh, 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 I'm having a brain for it iTunes and YouTube, Prone Bro Wrestling Podcast. Uh, it's been a long one for me today. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Now, as we head towards the finish and head towards the wind down, I always just like to ask, it's almost like um, like it, you, somebody, like a fan's listening to this and they want to put together a YouTube playlist of your matches. What are some of your favorite matches or favorite opponents that, that a fan should just type in, you know, Fred Ross or Darren Young, like, okay, uh, you know, you versus this guy, that guy, favorite matches, favorite opponents? Um, uh, well, matches to like, uh, see me really, uh, put in work and really put in time. Uh, it would have to be Jake Atlas with NXT versus myself. Uh, probably one of my all time favorite matches with, with him, one of them top five, at least. Uh, so definitely YouTube Jake Atlas versus Fred Rosser. Um, probably myself versus, uh, Ray Jazz in New Jersey. Um, uh, Ray Jazz is an amateur wrestler, 24, I believe, at the time, and I, I, I'm i 10 years older than him, so he went to South Plainfield High School. I went to Union uh, Township High School, so it, it was almost like school rivals uh, having a battle, having it settled in the ring, so that's match number two, myself, Fred Rosser versus Ray Jazz. Um, and probably if you look up maybe Darren Young, Fred Rosser versus Sean Spears, I talked to him, I, I mentioned him earlier about him saying that he really needed that. Uh, those are probably two, three of my top favorite matches, uh, that anyone on YouTube new to wrestling or want to just learn how to like see the in-between stuff I do. And, oh, that looks different. You know, if you have a good eye and can pick that up. Those are three matches. Myself first, Jake Atlas, Sean Spears, and Ray Jazz. And of course, the Tom Lawler match. Very looking forward to seeing that from uh, New Japan. Looks like a hell of a match as well. Yeah, on my social media, Twitter, Instagram, at Real Fred Rosser, my government name, uh, I, I post highlights of what I can grab um from new japan and like i said the highlights are incredible man um long long highlights it's like i i forget how long the video is but on my ig it's pretty long man it's pretty long but hopefully i can do round two with him in japan in the states here i don't care where but i need to i need to have him again in the ring now, where do you see yourself in a couple of years? Like, I know WB is still a possibility. You say New Japan, that's a bucket list thing. You want to wrestle in Japan. Do you see yourself getting more back into acting, keeping with the podcast? Where do you see yourself in a couple of years? Well, I mean, definitely want to get involved more in acting. Uh, I mean, really, wherever I can't force anything, I can only keep continuing to do what I do. And on top of the wrestling, I do a lot of speaking engagements. Uh, which I've kind of hurt with the pandemic, but I've been able to do a lot of virtual uh, meet and greets. I've been able to do a lot of virtual um, uh, stuff with a lot of schools, talking to kids about bullying and being able to share my message through Zoom. Zoom is big now. So however I can continue to share my story, I love speaking. And I've got my side hustles, too, with uh, a lot of the sponsorships that I deal with on social media, CBD, THC, keto snack companies, healthy type uh, foods to help you have sustainable energy. So I'm big into fitness and stuff like that. And a personal goal of mine is to get certified. So I'm working on that as we speak. So, yeah, Mr. No Days Off just isn't a gimmick. It's a way of life, constant grind, struggle, and hustle. So, uh, yeah, 37 years old. I mean, I'm making my, I, I, I say all the time, I'm making my 20s jealous of my 30s now. 
place. Now, I know you mentioned it briefly before your social media and all your plugs, but please uh, run through all those again if you could. Twitter, Instagram, where I make major million dollar moves at Real Fred Rosser, R E A L F R E D R O S S E R, my government name. Uh, be a part of my family, you know, holidays around the corner. If you don't have anyone that's a part of your family uh, that supports you, be a part of my family on social media at Real Fred Rosser, baby. Hashtag block the hate. Awesome. Love it. Fred, thank you so much. I love that you're uh, still not taking any days off, even though there's a pandemic going on, even though COVID is out there killing everybody. Mr. No Days Off. I, I love it. Good luck getting into New Japan, obviously dominating with New Japan Strong and obviously on UWN Primetime Live, which is available on Fight TV and In Demand Pay-Per-Views. Fred, thank you so much once again. Thank you very much for having me. Shin Nihon Pro Les Wa Ichiban. That means New Japan Pro Wrestling is the best. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.